Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And a jolly good morning to you. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is 101.9 Hi FM. I'm actually doing a special show. I wouldn't normally be on the radio at this time. And uh, this is in honor of the cemetery workers because today is Zion Adara and it is the day when we do honor the people who work at the time when it is really the worst of times. And I've just seen that through this pandemic, there really, really have been the unsung heroes, uh, the unsung heroes of the Johannesburg Jewish Helping Hands Burial Society. If you've got any questions about death, about the process of death, about what happens to our bodies, I would love to have them. Send them through, and I will certainly ask Shirley, um, who I'll be speaking to shortly. And uh, here are the numbers, 34519, that is the text line. Those SMSs are charged at one rand fifty. You can also get in touch with me on WhatsApp, and that number is zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Sorry, not WhatsApp. Telegram zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Yeah, certainly we're not uh, using WhatsApp. So, um, you know, what happens after death? Joining me right now is Shirley Resnick. She's a team leader of the Women's Tahara Teams at the Jewish Helping Hand and Burial Society. She's been doing it for thirty-two years. Good morning, Shirley, and how are you? Good morning, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. It's so lovely, and it's such a lovely, clear line as well. So, Shirley, from the time that that we get the telephone call, and I think in the past year we've all got that telephone call at some point, you know, with this terrible news, what happens between that telephone call and, you know, the actual funeral? So, Kathy, that uh, we call it a dreaded phone call. Um, people have it um, at any stage of their life, even as young kids, a dreaded call um, when they hear that somebody that's very close to them has passed away. And this dreaded phone call can sit with you for many, many years. But that's not the topic. The topic is what happens when you get that dreaded call and the first thing you do is you call the Hebrew Kedesha. And I think every Jew in Johannesburg knows the Hebrew Kedesha. So the call is made, whether it's by staff of hospital or family members or close friends. And the call goes through to David Weber, Philip Kalmanovic, and now Darren Sever. Um, they are the funeral directors of the Hebrew Kedesha, and they then in turn get the ball rolling. Okay. From there, they, do you want me to stop there? No, Kathy? no, 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 keep going, keep going. Okay. okay, from there, they get all the details of where the beloved person has passed away. And I need to say that um, some, some people die on the ninth floor of a building with no lips. People die in a plot somewhere. People die in another city. But David, Philip, and Darren take everything in motion, and they call them a Sussex which I believe are our angels on duty. If six of them, and they immediately go to collect the beloved people wherever they are left. Their mm-hmm. kindness and concern is always top priority. Right. From there, David or Philip or Darren instructs them where to take the body. Do they go straight to West Park Cemetery? Do they go to our new Tahara room at Sandingham Gardens? Um, so that's their call. And then there's the next group of people that are called, and those are the volunteers who do the Taharas. 
male to males and female to lady. Okay. These people are also on call 24-7. Yeah. And from there, cemetery is the next port of call. Um, and that's only when the bereaved people meet up with their loved ones, and that is in the Ohel of West Park Cemetery. And that's so the part that we, goes, that we see. You know, as that's the part of you see. As, as the mourners, that's the part that we see. So um, talk us through that process of tahara, um, of cleansing. I mean, do, do you know if all cultures cleanse, cleanse the body before it gets buried? Or is this something unique to Judaism? Do you know? So I, I think that every culture has their uh, different customs. Uh, many black cultures have customs where they call into the elderly to prepare the deceased. Yeah. I think Muslims as well. But ours is quite unique. Um, ours starts um, by Hashem bearing Moshe Rabbeinu. And from there, the sages teach us that um, it's the, the most important time of the deceased. Because we learn that um, the body is in a deep, dreamlike state and can actually hear what happens until they are buried in the casket in the ground. And that's why it's so important for the Masasics and the volunteers who do Tahara to treat the body with the utmost respect in a gentle and kindly manner. And every effort is expended to avoid shame and dishonor the individual. Shirley, what happens... What happens during the actual tahara? What what is it? How do you cleanse? How do you cleanse a dead body? Okay, so that's a good question. The tahara is actually uh, three phases. The first phase is to remove clothing and to remove all other objects and to cleanse the body. And how it's do you almost, do that? So you wash the body with soapy water. Yeah. The body's covered at all times. Nobody views the face. And um, the volunteers take extra care to see that all um, stomas or catheters are removed, rings are removed. So anything external is removed. That's the first phase. The second phase is the actual tahara, where the body is raised and... Um, uh, nine kafim, which is six gallons of water, is poured over the body. This is the actual tahara. Then the body is dried and dressed in clean new tahrachim. Tahrachim are shrouds. Shrouds um, are made of white linen. Cotton is also acceptable. These garments are always clean. And we learn from the Kohen Godel who wore very clean clothes that cleanliness is viewed as a prerequisite to holiness. So when the bodies are dressed, there are no knots permitted in Takhrim, which are the shrouds, because knots indicate permanence, which is symbolically inappropriate to the state of death, because this is considered a temporary time until the resurrection, which is amazing. We also see that there are no pockets in Tachrachim, because pockets, uh, in, you know, 
um, equal taking valuables with you. You take nothing with you when you meet your master. So those are two things that are very permanent. Um, We also put, we sprinkle sand in the eyes um, and for women in the nape of the neck. And the sand comes from Jerusalem. Okay, so and, just just what? to clarify on that, when you say that you you sprinkle sand, um, yeah. is that after the shroud is put on, and is it is the face already covered, or is it on the naked right. skin? No, that's a good question, Kathy. Um, after the body is washed and the actual tahara is done, we dress the body, and um, we we put on what's called tachrichim. No two Sakhrushim are put on at the same time. So you start off with a hat and a face mask, and at that point you sprinkle sand from Jerusalem in the eye. But we do not look at the face. And the reason is because in a Shoma, the soul is hovering, and the soul is embarrassed of how it looks. So we do not cause any embarrassment, pain, or suffering to the soul. So that we do sprinkle sand, and the reason for the sand is that the sand comes from Jerusalem, and um, sand from the Holy Land promotes divine forgiveness. And furthermore, there's a tradition that sand from Jerusalem alludes as well to the resurrection of the dead, and the resurrection of Chiasimaisim believes begins in Yerushalayim. So those are the two reasons. Oh, that's interesting. So it's actually stands specifically from Jerusalem, not from just anywhere in Israel? No, must be from Yerushalayim. And is that universal? Do all all Hebrew Kaddishas around the world do that? Is so, every Jew, Jew around the world buried with sand from Jerusalem in their coffin? So um, the Tahara procedure is actually a custom yeah. and not a halocha. So the Hebrew Kedisha adopts a practice that we believe will best honor and prepare the deceased to meet the master of the universe. And that's um, our custom. I think that wherever you go in the world, the Hebrew Kedisha customs do differ. Okay, so um, I don't know if you heard the question. The question was about the sand. Is sand added to every Jewish coffin around the world, or is that just the Uh, tradition? I should hope that it is. I really hope that it is because that's the part that helps with the resurrection. So interesting. All right. Shirley, we're going to take a very quick break. We're going to play, uh, we've got to pay the, be- pay the bills. Uh, but I would very, very much like you to please stay on the line because I've got some myth busters that I want to go through with you. And uh, if you've just joined us, I'm Kathy Kayla. I'm actually just hosting this specially in uh, in light of today being Zion Adar. It is the day on which we honor our cemetery workers. If you've got any questions about death, about what happens to the body after death, you know, from uh, from the time that we step off that mortal coil until the time that our bodies are actually um, put into the earth, you're welcome to ask those questions. In fact, I'm inviting you to. And this is how you get in touch with me. You send me an SMS on 34519, or you can send me a telegram message on 061-895-1019. That's 061-895-1019. You can tweet 
at Chai FM, C-H-A-I-F-M. And uh, especially if you are from another religion, I'd be very interested to know what your customs and your traditions are. Let's talk about it and get in touch in the same way. Anyhow, we'll be back right after this. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. I'm Kathy Kaler, and uh, thank you for joining me this morning here on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm speaking to Shirley Resnick. She's the team leader of the Women's Tahara Teams at the Jewish Helping Hand and Burial Society. We're talking about Jewish burial rights. And uh, if you've got any questions, you are welcome to uh, to send them in. 34519, that's the text line, or 061-895-1019. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you for the next half an hour, so get on it. You know, there's no time like the present. If you've just joined us, what uh, what Shirley was saying uh, in summary is that from the time that you get that dreaded phone call that somebody has passed away, um, you know, arrangements obviously made to collect the body, then there's a there's a process called tahara which is actually divided into three into three different uh, segments. It is cleaning, purification, and dressing. Those are the three different parts. The cleaning is uh, when they clean the body, when they remove remove everything. The body is also washed with soapy water. Um, there's no viewing of the body. It's all done under a sheet, and the face is also covered. Uh, then there's purification, where the body is lifted, and six quarts of water are poured over the body. That is the equivalent of a body going into mikvah. Um, and then there is the dressing. There's dressing in shrouds. The shrouds are either the entire body is wrapped, and uh, there's no knots allowed, and um, the shrouds are either made from white cotton or white linen, um, there are no hems, there's no knots anywhere, because the whole point is that it needs to disintegrate and return to the earth faster, um, or as fast as possible. So, Shirley, you're still with us? I'm still with you. Was that, was that an accurate summary? Perfect. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. All right. I've got some true or false questions, which I'm hoping that you'll be able to answer. And, um, let's, let's see how we go. Surely, in traditional Jewish practice, the deceased is not left alone from the time of death until burial. True or false? Um, that's true, but I just need to add, um, that's true if a person passes in the early morning and will be buried that afternoon. But if the deceased has to spend the night um, before burial, um, we take care of them in our facility. We have a Tahara um room at Sandingham Garden, and next door to the Tahara room is actually a very nice um, place where you have couches and fridges and kettles, and families are welcome to come and stay with their loved ones through the night. Um, they say Tehillim, and it's um, performing, it's called Shmirah, is very important for the body, um, and friends, family can do this if they can't. We do um, appoint someone to do it for them, but because of COVID, it's been a bit difficult. Yes, I'm so sure. So going back, if a, be- a body, if a person dies in the morning, they are not left alone at all until burial. Okay, and uh, if it's if it's going to be delayed for whatever reason, um, you know, overnight, or even over a number of nights, I imagine. Right. right. Uh, as sometimes you know, waiting for kids to come from overseas or. 
you know, for whatever reason, sometimes uh, funerals are delayed, then right. the family can actually go and sit with the body um, at Sandringham Gardens. It's the first yeah, that I'm hearing this. This is absolutely fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah. We had a beautiful um, Shmira room um, with couches, bathroom, yeah. a Wi-Fi, and meals provided, a fridge, coffee, and we take care of the families while they are waiting for their loved ones to be buried. It's, it's new, it's 18 months, and if there's time, I will explain it to you. But the Khebra Kadesh are very proud to be able to do this for families after this season. Okay, fascinating. Uh, Marcel, thank you so much for your message. Marcel has sent through a question for you. She says, uh, hi, Kathy. Why sand in the eyes for men and on the neck for women? And thanks for such an informative program. Thank you very much, Marcel. I absolutely agree. Uh, that's an excellent question. Shirley? So sand in the eyes is for male and female. Um, the nape of the neck, we just put it in to the nape of the neck, but it's actually in the casket, and they're buried with it. Uh, the men have uh, different procedures where they put the sand, so we'd have to check um, with uh, what men do. Okay. But the eyes is for both men and women. Okay. But men, it would be another part of the it body. Could it could be wouldn't... another uh, added area which the ladies don't do. Yeah. So uh, I just want to kind of explain that men are, um, you know, the volunteers who perform Tahara only perform Tahara on men if they are men. Um, Women are the only ones who perform Tahara on women. So that's why Shirley is not telling us where they put the sand on the men, but perhaps you were a volunteer and uh, you know the tradition. You're welcome to get in touch and let us know where, aside from the uh, the sand on uh, on the eyes, where is the sand put on, on men? For women, it is on the eyes and the nape of the neck. All right, uh, thank you so much, Shirley. The next, um, the next true or false, Jews don't cremate our dead. True or false? It's true. We do not cremate our dead. Unfortunately, during the Holocaust, many Jews were cremated. Um, but sadly, um, that was in, you know, out of our hands. Sure. Um, often rabbis are trying to encourage families to change the minds of family members when their loved ones um, have put in their will they want to be cremated. Why but don't we? really we... try and avoid it. Why don't we cremate? Because we come from the dust. So we have to go to the dust. And, and burial is so important. A body must be intact um, when it's buried because it comes that way. And um, cremation is a terrible thing. It doesn't allow Because it's destroying the whole body? It's destroying the whole body. That's interesting. So it really should be avoided. Yeah. I actually heard a, I heard a, Another interpretation. May I share that with you? Please. So uh, I was actually speaking to a rabbi. I, ha- I had grown up always being told that the reason that Jews don't cremate is because of the Luz bone. Um, the Luz ah. bone is the occipital bone in our yeah. neck. And ah. during the cremation process, they actually stamp the bones once they're burned to make this fine powder and this fine ash. And ah. it is said that when resurrection of the dead happens, it will happen from that Luz bone. Right, your whole body will will um, come alive. Yeah, right, will reanimate and live again. Right, and um, and that was why we don't cremate. And I just accepted that. And 
a few years ago, well, a few years ago, at least 20 years ago, I was speaking to a rabbi who said to me, Kathy, you're dealing with, and we were talking about cremation, and he said, you're dealing with the creator of the universe. He created you. Do you think that he can't create you another Lisbon? He said, of course he can. The reason that we don't do it is that during our lifetimes, the soul that is within us identifies with our body. And that becomes the me, the the point at which we identify. Now, all of a sudden, in death, we are released from our bodies, but it's it's very new, and we stand outside of time. And 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 the neshama, the spirit, is very free. So, okay. as a, as a kind of an anchor point, they will attach themselves around the body, and body. over the co- over the course of the seven days of mourning, they will move further and further away. Um, until eventually they're completely released Maybe. from everything right. physical. Um, he right. said, but the reason that we don't cremate is because to see the body burning is very, very painful for the soul. Very. And that actually made more sense to me. You know what? It's, uh, that, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I just want to add that the Geta HaChayim describes the custom of opening a window when a person dies to point the soul upwards. And this custom is based on the belief that the soul does not immediately leave the body, but hovers around it. So how would that be if the body was cremated? Yeah. Okay. Can we get on to the next true or false question? Uh, True or false, Shirley, men are buried in a talit, in a prayer shawl. Is it true? true. They're true, but as well as shrouds. As well as shrouds. So So they put in shrouds. And then it goes on top of the shrouds. Okay, so what happens if a man doesn't have a talit? So the Hebrew Kedisha have um, talasim at West Park Cemetery, and they do. So that every Jew is buried with a talit. And what even a woman? Now a woman doesn't bury it. Doesn't doesn't pray with a with a talit. Generally speaking, so a woman. What a happens woman with buried a woman? in her shroud? In, in her, her shroud. shroud. It's just plain yeah. shrouds. Plain shrouds. Okay, that's interesting. Um, All right, this is uh, a little bit macabre, but I do have to ask the question. In the case of a violent death, Shirley, people are sometimes buried with items that contain their body parts and human remains. Is that true or false? That's true. So um, first of all, if it's a a violent death, and there are different kinds of violence, but I'd like to talk about a murder first. Um, If a person is murdered, the uh, clothing are buried with the person. Um, but because they have to have a post-mortem before burial, the clothes are then put on the side of the of the deceased in the coffin. Um, other, um, other violent deaths, absolutely every bone, every, every part of the body is collected, even blood. Blood is so important to be buried with the person. And um, before Zaka came aboard, our beautiful Masasim and myself used to collect body parts after tragedies. Um, and certainly everything has to be buried with the person. Even there was a, a car accident uh, where people died. That car was buried with wow. the people because they could not get the blood out of the seating of the car. It was some years ago, but that part, most of the car was buried with the person. That's how important it is that the person has to be buried intact. Why? Why is it important that the person is intact? Well, we we come from God and we go back to Him, and it's so important that everything should.
should be buried with us. Even, um, I want to say about if a person loses a leg, has an amputation, um, and then carries on to live for many years, that leg needs to be buried. Even a toe. If you lose a toe in your lifetime, that toe needs to be buried, and the, um, the grave of the person will be dug, and the toe or the leg or whatever will be buried there, and that, that will be the person's grave when eventually, at 120, he leaves this world. Okay, so hold on. Let me let me just because you actually jumped the gun on that one because I did actually <laughs> want to ask you about uh, prosthesis, right? So if somebody has a prosthetic leg, are they buried with that prosthetic leg? So if the leg is attached to the body on death, the prosthetic leg will be buried with him. But if the leg is not on him, it would not be buried. So anything that's attached to you. Yes. Um, will be buried with you when you die. Okay. Gosh, this is um, absolutely to, fascinating. Yeah. So just to add to that, a limb, that's a leg, is defined as a body part because it contains flesh and sinew, tendons and bone. But a kidney or intestine do not require burial. And that's interesting. This is all absolutely fascinating. I can't believe how much I didn't know about, so about yeah, death. And it's something that's guaranteed to all of us. It's guaranteed we're all going to die one day. We're all going to die. That that comes from Moshe Feinstein, who who spoke about amputated limbs. Hmm. So if somebody loses a a toe, as let's use a toe as an example, right? In their lifetime, that toe, um, if 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 they're able to retrieve it, then that toe would need to be buried, and then when the person dies, they would be buried in the same place. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. Yes. What happens if, if uh, I don't know, a limb has to be surgically amputated? Um, that's a good question. Then that limb would be taken by the hospital. It would be collected by the Sussex. And we had such a case recently. That limb was buried. And please God, the gentleman should live for many years. But on death, he will be buried in the same grave as his limb. Absolutely fascinating. If you've got questions, send them through. Go on. I know you've got those burning questions. 34519, that's the SMS line. You can also send me a telegram on 061-895-1019. What questions do you want to know? This is a no holds barred. All your questions answered about Jewish burial rights. I've got Shirley Resnick on the line. She has been doing Tahara and leading the woman Tahara teams uh, for the last it's 32 years, Shirley. Yeah, about. Yeah. About. About. <laughs> give or take a day or two. Um, yeah. Absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm learning so much. And thank you very, very much for making the time. So uh, you just get in touch with us. Uh, there has a message that there is a message that's come through from Merlin Glass. Thank you, Merlin, for getting in touch. She says, hi, Kathy. Thanks for this program. When I was a young student nurse and the only Jewish one, I was allocated to sit with a deceased person until they were taken by the Chev for burial. I felt very honored to do this duty. And that's that's so interesting because so many people talk about what an honor it is to be able to serve um, the dead because ultimately they can never say thank you. 
they can never repay the kindness, the dignity, the honor that they are shown um, until they until they go to the ground. Right. So uh, thanks right. for that. Thanks, Merlin. All right. We're going to uh, pay the ads. We're going to pay the rent quickly. We'll be right back after this. Hi FM 101.9 megahertz of life. I'm Kathy Kaler. This is 101.9 High FM. It is Friday, the 19th of February. It is also Zion Adar. It is a day in which globally uh, Jewish communities honor our cemetery workers. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu died on this. Well, he was born on this day. He also died on this day. And uh, we, we learned the story of how God himself buried Moshe. And from that, we learn how to uh, to bury our own dead. Joining me on the line is Shirley Resnick. She has been doing tahara, that is the cleansing process of uh, of a body, preparing it for burial for the last 32 odd years. If you've got any questions, I'd love you to get in touch. Send them through. We've got about 10, 10 12 more minutes. So uh, you don't have all the time in the world to do it and I also want Shirley to have time to answer your questions so make this note 34519 that's the text line you can also send me a telegram on 061-895-1019 and apparently you can also call us <laughs> on 0101403020 so uh, you want to go on air we'd love to hear from you alright doing a true and false Shirley um True or false, family are not allowed to do tahara on family. Yes, that's right. Um, and that comes from Parshat Noach, that um, you should not view your father um, when he's... Um, uncovered. Uncovered. Now that comes from there. Children should not do parents. Um, parents should not do children. So, yes, we, we don't allow that. That's right, right. Okay. And um, it's too painful for them as well. Yeah, I imagine it would be. And yet the people who do tahara that I've spoken to say what um, what an incredible experience it is because it's a very, very holy experience. Um, Shirley, the true or false, the shrouds of a kohen are different. Um, true. Uh, a kohen um, uh, does have extra gloves on him. But these are kohanim who... Uh, who are, we call them kosher koanim, uh, koanim who do not do him for different reasons if they're married out um, and they choose not to be an active kohen, they would not get the glove. Okay. However, if a person is handicapped, a kohen is handicapped, and he can't do him because of his handicap, he certainly will uh, be buried with gloves, with these. Okay, I just want to, I just want to translate. Duchen is the special priestly blessing that the Kohanim yes. give. So, right. uh, if, so just think of what Shirley was saying in relation to uh, that translation. Okay, um, true or false, Shirley, all Jews are buried in the same parts of the cemetery. Uh, all Jews are buried in the same part of the cemetery. Uh, unfortunately, the married out are buried in the AE section, but it is still part of our cemetery. Okay. Um, um, but also babies have, there's, there's a children's yes, cemetery, right? a children's cemetery and there's a reform section. Uh, and here again, Koanim are also buried, everything together, but they are on the perimeter of each um, block. Uh, the, and the reason for that is that if families want to uh, visit a Kohan grave, 
they need to be more than two meters away. Okay. So, so the cemetery has a children's cemetery, and then there's also a cemetery for rabbis? Yes. Okay. And for honored people, people okay. that are honored in the community. Oh, really? Okay. Um, true or false, Shirley, suicides are buried in a special section. Uh, that's false. Uh, suicides are not buried separately. We see suicides as an illness, and anybody that, God forbid, does commit suicide is buried in the normal section. Okay. Um, in the same vein, true or false, people with tattoos are buried in a separate part of the cemetery. No, that's false. Um, people with tattoos are buried in the normal section. Okay. All right, this is absolutely fascinating. Um, true or false, Jews are always buried in shrouds. True. A Jewish person needs to have a tahara. Um, and there again, in the Holocaust, unfortunately, nobody did have that. Even when they were gassed, nobody had a tahara. Um, Hashem, um, we believe, married, uh, buried Moshe in Tachrichim. And we also learn when Abram buried Sarah, he, he bought a cave and he um, purchased fabric for shrouds. And yes, every Jew is buried in shrouds. Sure, I mean, Cave of Machpelah, you can go and see it today. Well, they're still buried there, right? Yeah. All right. Um, Karen Oshry. Morning, Karen. Lovely to hear you or well, hear from you. She says, hi, Kathy. What happens to the Neshoma at this time? Like when it, when it's, when it's, um, you know, when it's, when it's free, Shirley, can you talk to that? Um, so I said earlier that, um, we believe that the Neshoma is like in a deep dreamlike state. That comes from the child. Um, he believes that he learned that uh, being in this dreamlike state, but capable of hearing what others are saying. So it's important that we should be very mindful of our speech in the presence of a deceased before and after the funeral. Yeah. Uh, after the funeral, possibly not, but even before and after the Sahara, we should be very mindful. And also when a person is leaving this world uh, for the time of, of death, People must be very, very mindful of uh, the spe their speech. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the last sense to to go is your hearing. Right. So right. the very last right. thing that your body will do before it before you actually are dead is you'll be able to hear. So, yeah, absolutely, I, I hear what you're saying. Shirley, somebody, a fan, you've got a fan. I'm sure that you have many fans. But somebody unsigned says, Shirley, you are amazing, which is so lovely. Oh, that's actually from Merlin. That's from Merlin Glass. Okay, thanks, Merlin. I, I think so, too, for what it's worth. Um, Colin wants to know, he says, awesome program. What about the metal parts, hips, et cetera? Do okay. they get left or removed? That's a fantastic question. Thanks, Colin. Okay. That is. So metal, I mean, if you have a hip replacement, you have metal in your hips, and that's not um, taken out. Nothing's taken out of your body. You, you bury it as you, as you bury, you have your burial exactly as you die. Yeah. We spoke about prosthesis. If it's on, it remains. So if there's any metal in you, that goes with you. Does right. that answer the question? I think that that does answer the question. Yeah. Um, um, so when when you get a body from the hospital, you know, do yeah. you ever find that they've left needles or drips or or medical devices? Yes, 
we've often found that the drips are still in, um, uh, the stoma bag is still on. Um, What's a stoma a, bag? A stoma bag is, um, uh, it's attached to your, your stomach and it's the outlet of your bowels. Instead okay. of your bowels, it's the outlet. Okay. And that all has to be removed. Um, everything that is there is removed. So it's, it's difficult work sometimes, but it's holy work. So it's done with love and care. Yeah, amazing, absolutely amazing. So grateful for uh, for the cemetery workers. Uh, Lindy Hoffman, morning, Lindy. Nice to hear from you. She says, so my brother passed in England. They said I did not have to stay with him, and they don't bury with the Tullus. Isn't that interesting? That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if there's a moment I'd like to speak about overseas, if sure. you have a moment. Sure. I mean, uh, overseas you have to purchase your own casket. You have to pay for your own shroud. Uh, you have to have a delivery of the, the deceased to the place of burial. Um, you pay for your tahara. You pay for your plot. You pay for the rabbi officiating. All that takes away your mourning period. Um, all that takes time to pay for everything before you can bury your loved ones. Yet here in Johannesburg, we have the most unique Hebrew Kedesha because from the moment of death to the moment you, you come into the oil health, everything is done for, for you. Uh, bodies collected from airports, wachting is done. Wachting, sure. um, that's, that's the, that's the, yeah. uh, the Shmirah. That's where you have somebody who's, who's watching the Shomer. Yeah, and if you, you buried, you know, far in West Park, there's a golf cart waiting to take you, umbrellas for the rain and the heat, yeah. uh, chairs at the graveside. And all of this is done, um, which people don't understand, you know, from that dreaded court to now. Everything is done by the Hebrew Kadesha. They even give the family a seven-day candle. Yeah. It's quite amazing, and I think we take it for granted. You know, for people that live overseas, they cannot believe that everything is done. So I uh, actually so I want to commend you, commend the Hebrew Kadesha. Oh, no, 100%. So something that I actually want to share with you, it is a letter from, um, let me actually see if I can just get this up on my screen. Um, because I just think that it's, it's so important that, uh, that you know this. Um, this was a letter written by a medical practitioner and it is addressed to, to all at the Chev. I'm reading this verbatim. I want to extend an enormous amount of thanks on behalf of my patients to Menachem and Philip at West Park Cemetery for their kindness. I had phoned and explained yesterday, the 11th of February, that one of my little patients with Down syndrome had died and the parents were trying to find out where to locate a small pine coffin. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Jews are, uh, we only have pine coffins. We don't have those big fancy ones. Um, this letter goes on to say, I had explained to the parents that in our Jewish faith, we only use pine coffins, not the expensive ones that they were being offered. Philip said he would check and see if they had one for me, which they did. Where, when inquiring how much it would be, Philip and Menachem, and perhaps others, I don't know, decided that they would donate it to me. I contacted the parents, who are absolutely grateful for this donation. They are overwhelmed with grief as the mother had not seen or held her baby since the birth, 
and the father had not seen the baby at all. The little one had been in intensive care since the birth, and they could not visit him due to COVID. I collected the little coffin at West Park this morning, and the couple came to collect it from me at my office. I am so genuinely wow. grateful to be part of such an amazing Jewish community that cares so much for other human beings. Please extend or forward this email to all concerned, but particularly to Philip and Menachem, with kind regards and thanks. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. You know, the realities that people deal with, um, I, we are going to run out of time. So I just want to let you know that uh, when we lost a very, very dear um, staff member recently, you cannot believe how the Chev just stepped in to help. It was absolutely amazing. We had to get his, his body to KZN and, you know, David, Philip, they were just absolutely incredible. So Shirley, to you and to your teams, to everybody at the cemetery, at the Jewish Helping, Johannesburg Jewish Helping Hands and Burial Society, from the bottom of all of our hearts, we thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do, not just today, Zayn Adar, but every single day. And, uh, you know, I would love a world where you guys are put out of work, <laughs> but unfortunately that's not going to happen until that happens. May God just bless each and every one of you. Shirley Resnick, thank you very, very much for your time this morning and for your expertise, for your wonderful explanations. I am very, very grateful that uh, you made thank the time and that you do what you do. I wish you and your family a Shabbat Shalom. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Kathy Kayla. If, uh, if you've missed part of the show and you would like to uh, check it out, you can, you'll be able to download it, the podcast, probably on Monday morning. But uh, to you, I want to say thank you very, very much, and especially to our community member. You know, today is Zion Adar. It's the day on which our Jewish communities around the world honor the communal cemetery workers. Because of your generosity and contributions to the Honor the Heroes campaign, each worker at the cemetery is going to be spoiled today. It's the three funeral directors, the Masaskim, the admin staff, the security guards, cleaning ladies, and even Arrow, the Alsatian, who attends every funeral. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for your donations, and thank you to the Jewish Helping Hand and Burial Society workers, not just today, but every day. I wish you a Shabbat Shalom. God bless. Stay well. Bye. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.